this past year has shown us that as therapists, we need to be able to move online and do teletherapy. Here at Speech Science, we're excited that this episode is brought to you by Presence Learning and Therapy Essentials. If you're considering a career in teletherapy, you need a therapy platform built specifically to deliver therapy and assessments remotely. Therapy Essentials, which includes the Presence Learning Therapy platform, is so much more than your average video conferencing tool. It was designed by clinicians for clinicians specifically to deliver therapy and assessments online. The Presence Learning Platform features a content library full of games and activities sortable by age and interest to personalize your therapy and keep your clients engaged. It also includes speech-language assessments from top publishers. For more information and to start your free trial, visit PresenceLearning.com and click on our platform. We're excited at Speech Science that Presence Learning is a supporter of this episode. The views and opinions expressed during this show do not necessarily reflect the, the policy, policy or position of any affiliated workplace or employer. The views and opinions of the show do not constitute recommendations for therapy. Please, Please contact, contact a licensed SLP for individual consult on your situation. Please listen carefully. What is communication? An essential behavior of life. We have the both blessing and responsibility of trying to foster another. It's transmitting a thought from one person to another. It's the strongest way for two people to convey information to each other. The back and forth between two people. Communication is a lifeline. Just connection with other people. Connecting people in terms of ideas or thoughts or needs. Draws us out of ourselves, draws us into that relationship, you know, builds up our families. Without it, we'd be lost. Whatever it is that we do to express intent and achieve an impact. Communication is the ability to express your needs, wants, frustrations, and desires to anyone that you feel needs to have that information. Welcome to Speech Science episode number 150. I'm Matt Hott, a school-based SLP in Ohio who also dabbles in home health care with adults, dementia, and stroke rehab. Joined, as always, by Michael McLeod, the executive functioning fellow in philadelphia there you go did you like that alliteration hello executive functioning fellow in philly this is too the, uh, Phil, uh, the executive functioning philly fellow there we go is alliteration by sound or by letter uh in phonetics they're all the f sound buddy all right fine tell me you don't work with our tick without telling me you don't work with our tick Good point. Good point. Uh, and then joining us later will be Michelle Wintering, our uh, early childhood SLP uh, out of Texas. And joining us right now uh, is the PTSD SLP herself, Rachel Archambault, who is also Archambault. Did I say it right? Archambault or Archambault? Archambault. Archambault. Like the, uh, was that Alabama coach or whatever? Years ago? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. uh, an SLP in Florida and currently serving as a program specialist. Rachel, what's up? Hi, how are you? I am wonderful. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Oh, guys, we have made it to 150 episodes and you at home are the reason for it. So we want to make sure that everything you care about is on air. So make sure you head over to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. And you can email us speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com. We did give up the phone number, so don't try to call us or text us. But you can hit us up on the Discord, discord.speechsciencepodcast.com. Com. On today's episode, of course, we have Presence Learning and the interview Michelle Wintering uh, did with that. We've also got a look into our favorite apps, 
And as also we have our uh, due process, the shout out, and of course, uh, a big look at ASHA and burnout. But first, let's dive right into those SS Pod shout outs and due processes. Uh, this week on the SS Pod due pro- uh, shout out, I'm sorry, we'll go that way. Shout out. If you know somebody that is doing something that is above and beyond or something that is awesome or exceptional in our field, uh, this is where you can do it. Hashtag SS Pod shout out. This week it goes to Robin Nadler. And Rachel, you've got the story behind that one, I believe. I do. So um, I recently started a new position for uh, my school district as a speech program specialist. Um, And I was at a zone meeting today, which zone meetings are just little meetings between feeder schools. So the elementary schools that feed into the middle school, which feeds into the high school. So everyone can kind of work together um, and problem solve. So today I was on a meeting. I met many of these SLPs for the first time. Many of them have been in their positions for a long time. And uh, so I met this one woman today and she is telling me about how she started in the district so many years ago. And she was talking about this elementary school in 1998. And one of the other women was like, oh, I remember when we started there together. Then the other woman was like, oh, I was there in middle school or I was in middle school at the time that you guys were there working. And I was like, well, I beat you all. I was in elementary school at that time at that school. And she was the woman who I was speaking to was like, actually, I wanted to ask you about your last name because it is unusual. And she, she asked me if I had twin brothers and I was like, yes. And she said, was your mom a teacher? And I said, yes. And she said, I evaluated your brothers and I did treat SLP work with them mm. when they were, they were in first grade at the time, kindergarten or first grade. So this was many, many years ago. And I told her, you are the reason that I became a speech pathologist because she would come to our house and she used candy to work with my brothers in articulation. Like she would put a fr- fruit roll up on the top of their mouths and I'm a big sweet tooth. And I was like, I've got so many speech problems that you need to fix lady and um i i looking back on it later on in life it's one of the reasons why i became a speech pathologist that i wanted to make speech therapy fun like she did to make typical kids want to go to speech and it's something that i replicated when i was at my previous job and uh something that i carry with me and i told her that she's the reason i became a speech pathologist and she was speechless and she was like this is the best day ever that is a great story so wow. really really cool story yeah way to so go first of all first Robin. of all you have twin brothers i do i have young they're 21 months younger than me and they are turning wow. soon, 28 soon. So that's so cool. I did I not mean, know her, that. She said she felt real old after that. And I was like, I'm so sorry, but it was a really cool, you know, full circle moment and everything. And uh, my twin brothers remember none of it. I asked them, they're like, nope, no memory of this, but. Uh, Why didn't cool. they become SLPs? They probably were like, I'm sick of saying these sounds. <laughs> that is awesome. Way to that's go, so Robin. Cool. I did, yeah, that's, that's a great story. Robin is the reason we have a PTSD SLP. So that is pretty mm. cool. I love mm. it as a shout out. And if you have someone you want to shout out, SSPod shout out, that is your hashtag on Twitter, or you can email at speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com or on the Discord. On the flip side, uh, when things are not going right or things are going kind of uh, sideways, I guess you could say, 
that's where the SS pod do process. You get to give us a question or a topic and we kind of give our uh, unfiltered, I guess, responses to it. And this one is coming from an email uh, from Erica Nicole. It is just a single line and it says, quote, how are you handling your current caseloads with the uprise in COVID cases? So Mike, you're my barometer on how things are going because when things were going real hairy, you were teletherapist du jour. And then when things were going really good, you're back in person. So give me the micometer on how you are handling the current uprise in COVID cases in your area. Uh, I'm probably pretty much maybe like, I'm probably, I'm pretty much fully in person now. So I go oh, into, a, okay. I go into a school twice a week. The clinic is, you know, uh, is in full swing. Uh, all myself and the entire staff are all fully vaccinated, fully boosted. Uh, and yeah, and we try to, you know, we have the, we clean everything. We have a really good, uh, sanitary program going. And most of the families who come uh, sign a sign information about their vaccination status and all of that. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I cannot go back to full-time virtual. See, and I remember there was a time where you went, quote, I'm going to find this too. Wow. I love teletherapy. I could do this all the time. I'm going to find, find it, that quote find it, and find we're going to play it back. Check the COVID episode that I was on a while ago. I think it was that one. I think it was. I I think you're right. Was that the last time you were on, Rachel? I've been on, I think, three times before. Yeah. Okay. But it's been, yeah. Okay. It's been a little while. I might have a a picture of it. I take pictures. I take screenshots of every single Zoom I ever do. Do you really? That's cool. cool. I'll try to find it. I just just want to have, like, when the pandemic started. That's cool, though, dude. Have you ever heard of the app called... uh, like one second a day or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I have, I have that app and I use it like mostly for like the baby and everything. Right. And I thought, I thought to myself, I was like, okay, now we're doing this online thing. I'm going to take one screenshot per day of my Zooms. I guarantee I, like I can, that. I guarantee I can find it. It'll be That's actually a lot of fun. I really like um, that. I think, it. I think unfortunately like the COVID and how we're handling our caseload is going to vary, not just from state to state, the city to city, but school building to school building. I was telling Rachel off air here in Ohio, one of the high schools are closing to send the kids home to do everything teletherapy so that the uh, janitors and secretaries and everyone that is not an educational staff member, like an actual teacher, can go sub in under like in early childhood or early grades. So if you're an SLP at the high school in that building, you're doing teletherapy. And if you're an SLP in like the kindergarten building, you're in person. Uh, For me, I've got about a fourth of my caseload is online and three quarters are in person. What about you, Rachel? So um, I'm in Florida and it's... (laughs) (laughs) a bit of a mess. Um, So when we came back from winter break, uh, that first week, the first two days, a thousand teachers called out, um, with COVID we had, they're now just, so in my new position, I don't see students anymore. So all the staff members of the district that are not face-to-face with, with students, they're just saying, pick a school and offer to help. Like there's no tracking of it. It's just like, go somewhere and help. That's I we're in a better 
position right now, but it's also, I think, because of that five-day quarantine thing, they're saying five days from when you test positive, you're back to work. Yes. So I think that's con- contributing to it. And it's also decreasing the amount of time that people are out. So it's, it's a mess. <laughs> there were some pretty great uh, memes out there where it's like the CDC now says you can, yeah, right. and people were, people were writing ridiculous stuff. That was real. That was really funny. I, that's been such a joy <laughs> is the yeah. memes. That the have memes, the memes yeah. have really gotten me through this pandemic. Big me, time. Too. me too. So Mike, Matt, I, Matt I, allow, I, allow screen sharing. You so, know how to do it? Uh, no, because I'm under a education one and it won't let the student share the screen. Dude. I'm using right. a education right. zoom because it's cheaper. Yes. Welcome to pic. speech science. We, you got to see this pic. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, the, it's the four of us. With Send it. Send it. Yeah, put it in the chat and I'll put it up on Twitter. (laughs) I love it. If you're okay with it, I'll put it up on Twitter. I look like I I look like like I'm in the I'm thrust in the middle of the pandemic. Like I did my own hair and I I I look like Rosie the Riveter right now. So you look exactly the same, pretty much. Matt Matt has has more hair. Thanks. And Michelle looks exactly the same. All right. So I was talking to a couple buddies of mine. And I realized that I have thick hair as a guy. And uh, did you know that not every male, when they go to the barber, has them thin their hair? Did you what? know? Did you know you can get your hair thin, Mike? No. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have to have my hair thinned when I go to the barber. They have special scissors that have like notches so that they can get it right, so it's I not as it. thick. Check it out. Let's pull this up. Let me open it. That's fine. Open. You guys could see how many. Zooms oh man, my hair was red back in this one. <laughs> oh my goodness. How great is that? Wow. I, I do so love that. Many. How are we handling the pandemic? You're asking. We are taking screenshots. That was from I March, love that. March 22nd, 2020. So that was like right when the wow. pandemic started. All right. I love that. That actually made my night. So to answer your question, how are we handling our caseloads? About the same way we were back in March of 2020. We just uh, have changed our hair color. Uh, Mike, you've gone a little bit grayer. A little bit. A little bit. I'm still dark. I'm old, man. SS pod do process. All right. So let's venture into our first topic of the night. Uh, sometimes we watch what happens in the Facebook groups. Sometimes we insert ourselves into the Facebook groups. And it started off as an innocent conversation. What has Asha and my Facebook just died? But what has Asha uh, doing to address burnout in our field? And I think that is a fairly innocent question and of course rachel feel everybody in what happened so uh this was posted on a speech facebook group and the question was a simple question the the first one of the first people that commented though um basically alluded to the fact that well not a fact that (laughs) being burnt out is the the person's fault. Like if you are choosing to be burnt out by your job, you're not doing things right. So this person had said, oh, I work from this time to this time. I don't feel um, burdened to take homework at the end of the day. We don't know what fields, like which setting that this person mm-hmm. works in or anything like that. But 
I am one of the people that <laughs> inserted myself into this conversation, I think, because I mean, part of the thing that I do is the PTSD SLP is and went viral because of this, by the way, but that also that's <laughs> from this, that I was very on edge about it. Um, and I just posted, uh, I'm new to TikTok, like making videos and stuff, but, um, I just posted a funny making fun of the situation, how this person responded. And the next morning I woke up with 17,000 views on this TikTok, which the most I had had before was like a hundred views. <laughs> so it just was like the funniest thing, the rant, like so random. Um, but really this, this conversation really was, uh, I mean, I think Matt, you said there were 120 something comments. 158. On yep. Yeah. So there were a lot of people that felt uh, either burnt out and were looking for advice, and this was not the place to get the advice, or were responding to this person not being very empathetic to the fact that we are in a pandemic right now. We, we have multiple systemic issues within our fields that are contributing to burnout. And my response was Asha could you know, advocate for better caseload caps. Like in mm -hmm. Florida, there is no case caseload cap or um, it, there's like an administrative issue. And also being, being a field that's 96% female, um, there is a correlation between like not being able to say no to extra duties that are, that are put on there. We also are paid lower because of not being able to, um, what is that word? Negotiate. Um, our, our, our uh, salaries. So I just thought it was a very short-sighted. Um, oh, and you, and you said off air mansplained. You can say that yeah. it's okay. okay. He mansplained to a field of 96% women and that set me off. So I respectfully was saying, here's a few things that Asha could do. And then the more this person commented, he commented, um, the more he commented, it came across that he was intending to be as direct as he was. And that was where I was like, all right, this is now a, a time to educate. It's a time to support those in there that are truly burnt out after their first two months of being a speech pathologist and are looking for help, you know? So it, it just- Well, sorry, didn't mean to no, interrupt go you. Back. No, go. no, I mean, like when we talk about burnout, you have two options. You have do all the work, burn yourself out and quit the field. Or don't do the work, run the risk of being reprimanded for not doing the work, get fed up and leave the field. I mean, it, it's not a great either way. However, I am going to disagree with you, though, and say I'm not sure that it's Rachel or it's Rachel's point of view. I'm not sure it's Asha's point to be involved with our caseloads. And, and the reason I say that is if we look at the way our government is run. We have the federal government and we have the state government. The federal government handles, you know, negotiations with other countries, blah, blah, blah. And the state decides what the taxes are going to be on pop, gasoline, and alcohol. And that's how I look at the state associations versus ASHA. ASHA is dealing with the Congress people trying to negotiate how Medicare is going to pay for something, um, trying to get the internet or the state compact to, um, you know, figure out what states can handle uh, which 
licensures can move back and forth. That's what ASH is involved with. Also, as well as making sure that your school in Florida is teaching the same stuff that my school in Ohio is. So that way, when I graduate, and I graduated in 13, Rachel, what year did you graduate? My bachelor's or my, my grad? My grad was 2016. 16. Okay. So we were under the same ASHA requirements. Mm -hmm. And the idea is, is that you and I, when we graduate should be about even in our therapy knowledge. That's what ASHA does. Mm -hmm. Our state association is where we discuss local caseloads. And, and we were talking off air, you have no caseload. Or cap. I no you cap. Have no cap. No cap. Oh, cap. I do have a caseload. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. You have no caseload cap. I have a caseload cap of 80. If we are going to blame ASHA for you having no caseload cap, we need to give ASHA credit for Ohio having a caseload cap of 80. And we both know that's not true. Right. So I, I, that's where I kind of struggle with everyone's blame on ASHA. That is not taking anything away from the victim blaming that was happening in that field or in that, that, in that comment section. But I feel that a lot of times when we have these discussions about what is ASHA doing or what has ASHA done for me lately, we are missing all the stuff that ASHA is doing mm -hmm. because they have to do it. And our state associations, I think, are the ones failing us. And, and I say that as a former state association member. And I also speak from being a former ASHA SEAL, the state education advocacy leader, knowing kind of what's going on in line where people would reach out to Ohio and say, what are you guys doing? You guys are doing so much better than the rest of us. And here in Ohio, we're like, oh my God, we can't get any politician to lower our caseload numbers from 80 to 50. Right. And, and I appreciate your perspective as a former SEAL because there are those things. I am not entirely sure what- ASHA, not Navy. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure what ASHA's differences, but when you explain it like that, that is extremely helpful. And I have been a member of the convention planning board for FLASHA. I've, I've attended FLASHA since 2018, and I hope to be more involved with them moving forward. Um, the, the original question that was asked, which was a very like, hey, what do we do here? But it, the original mm -hmm. question was, what what purpose does ASHA have in preventing burnout? What, what role does it have? And I think when you were talking about ASHA is responsible for making sure that you and I, as a graduate of Ohio and a graduate of Florida, are on that same level from our universities, they can require that we take a mental health course, which is something that I advocate. I was so unprepared going into a traumatic situation mm -hmm. and how to deal with kids, which shouldn't be the case, or how to, uh, with other nursing, nursing profession, they do have, you know, coping strategies that they're taught. They have mental health, how to take care of yourself courses. And if that was a requirement that Ash has stated, I think that could prevent burnout in a lot of ways that 100%. we have strategies. So I think there is a role for ASHA, although people do blame ASHA, 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 what are they doing for us? But I think the specific question in this was entirely missed by oh, the yeah. person who commented and said, suck it up and you know, like just choose not to. And I, it was mansplaining and, and um, in a sense, victim blaming, like, mm -hmm. oh, it's, it's you, you are not strong enough to handle the tasks that are given to you. And a lot of the tasks that are given to us are, are not ethical, you know, Correct. Um, 
So if we're, if you have SLPs just dealing with these unethical situations, that's not helpful either. So I think there is a role for ASHA in burnout, but it needs to be clarified what ASHA's purpose is as an organization. What are they there to do for us? You know, speechsciencepodcast.com, speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com. Throw your ideas out there. So Rachel, I almost burned out three and a half years ago, four years ago. And I was taking work home. I was working two jobs. I had 95 kids on my caseload. I'd write IEPs and ETRs while my children were staring at me like, hey, dad, you want to play? No, I got to write this IEP. I was seeing three to five patients after school. And now I'm not doing any of that. Do you want to know why? Why? Because I went to another school that paid me more. And my caseload went from 95 to 44. Yep. And that was not... My fault for working in a school district that had 95 kids that I started the year off with like 103, 112, the, that it's not my fault that I had 95 kids on my case. So what was I going to do? Say, I'm not going to serve the 80. And I mean, hell, you look at what happens in the state. I don't know how it happens in your state, but in Ohio, we have an 80 caseload cap. If I write in to say I'm over my number, their response is great. What was your name, Matt? Okay. What building do you work at? Who's your superintendent? And then they call and they say, Hey, Mr. Smith, the superintendent at ABC school, your SLP, Matt hot just called in and said that he's over the caseload cap. Uh, why? And they say, Oh, we can't hire somebody. And then they give them a pass and guess who gets in trouble in the school district. The guy that's already burned out or the guy or girl who's already burned out ready to quit. Right. And, and I feel I'm especially protective of the new grads that Mm -hmm. I was thrown into that position. My first job, I was like, I want this job. I need a job right now. I need to pay my bills and everything. And I was thrown into a job that I was doing. It was 111 students as a CF. And I I just thought this, this is an, I hadn't worked in a school before, but those were the only jobs being offered. So I think a lot of CFs take a terrible position because that's what they're given. And I've heard a lot this year and it's been really, um, grinding on me, I guess that this teach that, um, in my new position program specialist, um, I see a lot of the turnover happening with SLPs and everything. And I've heard from some older SLPs saying that these new group of SLPs are not resilient. And that bothers me. I think that this new generation is aware of their worth, is able to say no to bad working environments when other people have dealt with bad situations for a long time. So I should have been someone that said 111, you're kidding, I'm done. Um, What's happening now is I'm seeing SLPs are placed in a school, their caseload is insane, they they can't do any of this, and they peace out, and they're being told they're not resilient enough, and I think they are the ones that are right. The other people need to change to fix what's happening, because they're just replacing, replacing. I wonder, I wonder, and I don't mean to cut you off, I do mean to cut you off, uh, (laughs) is I wonder if it has something to do with our generation, and Mike, what year did you graduate? Grad school? Yeah. 2015. Okay. And I know Michelle's like 2012 because we were in the same group, but I had to go a year longer because of my program. I think our generation and younger are so connected with other SLPs that are not in our area that 
the older generation, when they were coming up, it was, oh my gosh, can you believe I have 111? Well, you better be lucky because I had 118. Ooh, Mary over there's got 105. Bill's got one, 101. What is he doing? He must, let's listen to Bill. And it becomes this like, okay, not a big deal. We're all in that hundreds. But now because we're connected and you can talk to somebody in Ohio that's got a caseload of 44, you can talk to somebody in Arizona that's got 150, you can talk to somebody in Indiana or uh, California or Washington or Philly, I think you're right. I think our generation is able to identify where the fallacy is in our field and and call it out. Mm-hmm. And I think our generation is more willing to move because again, I, you know, I, I think of it like this. I had a buddy that grew up here in Cincinnati, took a job in, in Denver, and he still can FaceTime with all of us and, and sees his goddaughter because of FaceTime. I mean, like we can do that, something we couldn't do 30 years ago. How right. much of it is willing to move and how much of it is having to move? Yeah, that's true too. For, for the appropriate position. Because, you know, for, for anyone to say that new grads are not resilient enough mm-hmm. is completely ridiculous. If they were not resilient, they wouldn't have made it through grad school. They would have made it through externships, wouldn't have made it through clinicals in grad school. Wouldn't, the whole graduate program is built for resiliency, period. What, what the only problem is, is that when you're in grad school, you don't learn about salary. You don't learn about contracting. You don't learn about due process. You don't learn about uh, you know, uh, caseload numbers, all these things. Mm-hmm. All it is is all the different, you know, academia. It's true academia. You don't learn about the real life until your CFY. And the only thing you really learn about your CFY in grad school is, oh, don't worry about pay. Focus on supervision. Find the best supervision. Let's be honest. How many CFYs out there have real good supervision? Like the, the majority of them are through uh, contracting agencies mm-hmm. where people aren't even SLPs, they're business people. Mm-hmm. And people are thrown directly in there. And these are CFYs with lower pay. So they're given more and more kids, more and more responsibilities. My CFY, I remember it almost drove me from the field completely. It was ridiculous. The amount of driving I was doing, uh, just uh, just the, the productivity requirements, everything. It's It's insane. Uh, but to say that it's a reflection of the new graduates, that's, that's, that's insane. The, like you, you need to take, to take a look at the field we're going into and not pointing fingers at the actual people. See, and I had a complete opposite uh, moment during my CFY because I had a very strong, opinionated, uh, iron-willed supervisor who refused to let me get walked all over in meetings. So, I mean, she was tough as nails and Kathy, I love her for it, but like, um, are you guys still there? I'm we're here. here, My my internet connection just said I went offline and it was restored, but no, Kathy was strong-willed and iron tough where I would have to turn in my work to her early and then she would fine tooth, comb it to make sure everything was right and then when we would go to a meeting and my special ed supervisor would be like no that's not enough minutes kathy would be right there to defend me and say no that is the appropriate amount of minutes matt is the communication expert he's the one that works with the student right and i think i sorry just an opposite view of the cfy for no and i think that's rare i think i think Mm -hmm. yeah it is i think it's rare to have a supervisor like that i i think that more often than not we have what what mike is saying that it's not you know 
that good quality of it. And, and you really start to learn in your CFY, but that whole resilience thing, I think is a new way of saying spoiled because I hear the same SLPs in my, in a district, you know, that they're dealing with the same issues that they complain about that they verbalize the same issues, but because this person left, they say that they have no resilience. So there it's one person sitting and dealing with it. Mm -hmm. And then the other person is, is saying, this is not acceptable to me and is leaving and they're the ones being penalized for it. So I think that we've all, you know, experienced burnout. Um, I, I wish that wasn't the case. I think burnout is set to us because of the systems in place that are not being fixed. You know, I think that when we fix a lot of these issues, burnout will become a lot less, but as a national shortage, national critical shortage area, I think we're going to be having a lot of burnout for a long time. Yep. Absolutely. This, this is a good time to also pitch uh, Angie Merced, the SLP yeah. burnout coach, uh, .com. Uh, I love her stuff on there as well, as well as her Facebook stuff. Um, but you know what? I keep coming back to what you were saying, Rachel. And I love the idea of a mental health, not just for my student or not just for our, our clients, but for us as the clinician. And to address that in the college setting, I, I love that idea. I, I, the, the more I come back to that. I, I, that's what I'm trying to advocate for because I, I remember there was no priority for my mental health, for my physical health. Like it was, uh, I was sick. I had like a major virus every single quarter <laughs> or every single semester of grad school. And um I, I had the flu one time, I had mono one time, and the only time, only teacher was one that I had, one professor every single semester. She was the only one that was like, take as much time as you need. We will get to the work when we get yeah. to the work. The others were like, this deadline is here. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of the same thing as, you know, in elementary school, they're like, you can't use a calculator because you're not going to have a calculator on your phone. Mm -hmm. Well, now I do have a calculator on my phone. Um, uh, it's, we were never prepared for the mental health or the physical health aspect of it. And then when I was thrown into my workplace, having a national traumatic event, and then I had to take care of myself and worry about the students that have gone through this, I was unprepared for that and did not have the coping strategies. And I think if our field working with students that have trauma, that's not an, a niche group. Like that's, that's a massive group of, of students or clients or anything like our, our field is going to experience or work with people who have had trauma. And I think having a mental health course for ourselves to take care of ourselves and also understand what that looks like with stress and other people is a major requirement that needs to be given. What's crazy is that hasn't already happened. You know, exactly. as this, this, this whole issue of burnout is not new. Uh, it's, you know, there's so many places have staffing shortages. So many places have underpaid SLPs. Uh, and at the end of the day, we go into this field to help other people, uh, and, and Im improve the quality of lives of others. And it's impossible for anyone to do that. I don't care how resilient you are. It's impossible for anyone to do that unless we have self-care. 
Absolutely. And I've, I've now I'm on TikTok all the time. Like I downloaded it New Year's Day of 2020 and I haven't stopped, but I see now I, I have a lot of medical stuff that comes up and you see doctors now have this little thing on their badges. That's a little that. You not that. So like when you press the button, it it's like, how can I help you today? And it's like, I'm having a panic attack right now. And they walk you through some breathing things. And a lot of doctors on TikTok will just be like, saying not so nice things to it. Like I'm going to quit today or, you know, and it's like, let's just take a breath. And it seems like other fields like that, like they, where was that initiative? And in, mm -hmm. in, we have somewhat of the same issues that it's being solved or trying to be solved. I don't think the little robot is going to solve the mental, the burnout from, from doctors right now, but there's an attempt there going on. So where is that in our setting? In our I saw one where the doctor said something like, I'm going to quit. And the little robot responded with, remember, you're making a difference in, make, yes. in saving somebody's life. And it was like, you know what? Like, if I was really having a day and I was told that, that might be enough for me to like, yeah, like be like, yeah, you know yeah. what? Like, I, I appreciate that. And, and as you're saying about like trauma, and I know you went through a major trauma, and your students went through a major trauma, but there's also, you know, just the little trauma of how do you handle the kid that was set off because all they wanted was an extra five minutes with one of their parents. And the parent was like, I don't have time for this and yep. left. And then that kid gets on the school bus and then that kid rolls into our therapy room and we're like, all right. We're going to say R 150 times in the next five minutes. And the kid just wants to chat about why no one loves them or whatever. We're not prepared for that. You know, what was actually the hardest thing for me was in, in my uh, part-time externship that I was working with a lot of kids with behaviors and I had very minimal yes. experience with kids in general. So when I had a kid hitting me and that the supervisor's looking there, like, you don't know how to deal with this. Cause I don't know how to deal with any kid. I don't know how to, to diffuse this situation. And I think the self-regulation part of it is a coping strategy that's, that's needed. Like I, if I'm dealing with a kid that's screaming at the top of his lungs, that is going to really trigger me. And I need to be able to say, all right, what do I need to do to help myself get back to a good zone? That's what, that's what SLPs need right now. Cause we, we can be yeah. put in stressful situations. We're saying, we're not saying stress needs to be eliminated. Like stress motivates us to do things, but we're saying that this is compassion fatigue. This is moral injury. Um, this is a, a lot of different aspects contributing to this. And I, I, there are areas that we can work on. So closing thought, it is your own fault for burnout. Yes. And you should become better at it. Is that what you're telling us? Absolutely. That is exactly what I'm saying, Matt. <laughs> Man, RIP to that guy. Oh my goodness. Speechsciencepodcast.com. Email us your thoughts on burnout or what do you think, what is Ash's role in burnout? Uh, Speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com. If you don't agree with me, don't agree with Mike or don't agree with Rachel, let us know. It's okay. We will, uh, we won't mock you on air. That's actually a good thought. I'll do some coping strategies. Do some coping strategies. <laughs> what are you doing at home? Speechsciencepodcast.com, speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how that affects you. And Michelle, 
leading into the interview for this week with Presence Learning, we talk about telepractice. We have the giveaway. So make sure you're over at giveaway.speechsciencepodcast.com. Enter your name and email address. And that will go, I believe, for 45 days or about six weeks. So the end of February, I believe, is that timeline. So yeah, February 28th is when we will shut down that and draw a winner. But there is an article in the ASHA Leader talking about your favorite apps you can use in practice. And we'll have the link. They talk about Newsomatic, Jeopardy Labs, Flippity, Chatterpix, Old McDonald, a couple others. But I wanted to know what your guys' go-to apps right now are in therapy. And I will start because I have two that are still my favorites. Number one is the I hear, E-Y-E-H-E-A-R. And I talked about it before on the show. It's real-time closed captioning on your phone or iPad. I love it for some of our kids that need to be able to read and hear at the same time. And the second one, I just recently picked up and started using, are you guys following on TikTok and Twitter this new game called Wordle? Nope. Oh, Why have I heard of this, Matt? It is, you are given six attempts to guess a five-letter vocabulary word. There are no guesses. Has it been around for a while? It's been around for a while, but now okay. it's, it's made its gains. But I'm using it in group therapy for vocabulary acquisition, but it's also problem-solving because it lets them know if the letter's in the word, but they have to figure out where in the word is the letter. And sometimes they have all the letters, but they're all in the wrong position. Uh, and then we also talked vocabulary exploration using the new word. It uh, it's pretty fun. I this use that. Like Boggle. Yeah, very online. similar to Boggle. Very similar to Boggle. I love the game Boggle. <laughs> what about Boggle's great? What about you guys? What is an app or two that you are using um, so in your therapy? A, I've I've got one for you. Okay. Um, well, I have two. They're a pretty. Uh, there's a free version, but there's also a very minimal cost version and it's just called Soundbox and Lightbox. Oh, I love Lightbox. Okay. Um, and it shows up, you, once you download it, it's cause and effect sensory Soundbox. You touch the screen and different things happen. Um, I like it for early cause and effect. I like it for early AAC skills. Um, and once they learn to navigate that, you can select different things. So it might have planes and make jet sounds. It might have leaves falling across the screen and um, it makes the sound of leaves. And me having worked with people who are low vision or blind, it also gives, connects the sound with that touch so they can have different sounds, not just the same sound every time if you're working on touch. Ooh, that's fun. And response. Um, so those ones, and then if you are someone or even a parent who is interested in using actual ASL signs, not just some of the baby signs that are thrown around, um, which is fine in certain cases <laughs> when you need to communicate and there's home signs and all that. But being that I've worked with um, so many people in the deaf community, I like to make sure I'm using ASL signs. And this is totally free. It is called Spread the Sign. It has an orange back with black writing spread the sign is the app and it is an online video sign dictionary very cool you mm. can just type in 
what you want to see as a sign. And instead of seeing those wonky series of three pictures to try to show you how to <laughs> move your hands and face for a certain sign, you get to see a video clip of someone producing that sign. So you can see their facial expression. You can see their hand movement and positioning. Um, just make sure that you click on the American flag so that you have American sign language and not- Oh, good call. Like French sign language or German sign language. Mike, what about you? What are a couple apps that are uh, piquing your interest of, as of late? Uh, I like to keep it pretty simple. I like to use uh, Google Docs. So we like to <laughs> keep it pretty simple with the Docs. Uh, I use that uh, to you know, create like collaborative Docs with myself, the student, and the family. Uh, sometimes some uh, Google Sheets to kind of keep track of things. Love using YouTube every now and then. Uh, and that's really it. You know, we try to, to kind of stay away from tech in my sessions. Makes sense. And I, and I like the idea of the Google Docs or the shared documents between the parents and the student oh, and yeah. yourself. I mean, it uh -huh. makes it easy to kind of track tra uh, changes uh, oh, yeah. as well. We've been using some YouTube as well in my therapy sessions, but we've moved away uh, from that recently. YouTube is definitely where it's at. Variety is the spice of life, right, y'all? Yeah. All right, Michelle, on the other side of the break, we are going to hear from uh, the informed SLP and then give us a preview about the interview with, uh, was it Karen? Kristen. Kristen. Yeah, I, I kind of thought I already did, but. Well, uh, I mean, reform us. That was 35, right. 40 minutes ago. Okay. The interview you are about to listen to, I'm going to do to sit down with Kristen Martinez from a company called Presence Learning. Um, you may have come across their teletherapy platform. Um, they have been in the schools doing teletherapy long before that was really a popular thing, um, 20 plus years doing remote therapy. And so they've seen all the changes in technology. And I had the opportunity to sit down and talk to her about the pandemic and teletherapy and presence learning and how they also were able to open their platform um, to a wider audience with, uh, with the pandemic. And also they've extended their platform to individuals now, and they've offered an awesome opportunity that one of our listeners can get one year free of access to their individual therapist platform. And it has everything from uh, standardized assessments already online in that platform to use for teletherapy and all of their therapy resources that they've developed over the years. Wonderful. That'll be nice. right after uh, the informed SLP. You're listening to Speech Science. And now for our regular research review, brought to you by the Informed SLP. The Informed SLP releases a monthly newsletter that brings you plain language reviews of only the newest, most clinically applicable research, keeping you up to date on advances in the field and saving you tons of time. So let's get to it. A Tale of the Aging Swallow. This is a review of multiple articles that are linked in this review on our website. Pharyngeal area gets larger, tongue strength declines. This is what happens to the swallow 
over time. Mancopy et al. compared older and younger healthy participants without dysphagia, swallowing thin liquids via video fluoroscopy, and found that many swallowing parameters change as we age, including longer swallow reaction time, longer laryngeal vestibule closure duration, longer UES opening duration, wider UES maximum diameter, larger pharyngeal area at maximum constriction, and larger pharyngeal area at rest. The following parameters did not change with age. Sip volume, number of swallows per bolus, frequency or severity of penetration aspiration, hyoid burst onset to UES opening, time to laryngeal vestibule closure, hyoid peak position, hyoid speed, and total pharyngeal residue. The authors note that some of these findings, for example, longer and wider UES opening and longer laryngeal vestibule closure, are opposite to what we might see in individuals with dysphagia, suggesting that normal aging of the swallow involves a lot of compensations to preserve function. But is there a point at which older adults can no longer compensate and age-related changes contribute to a swallowing impairment? The answer might be yes. Mariban Farr et al. found that age-related changes were one of the most common etiologies of dysphagia in otherwise healthy adults over 85. Video fluoroscopic findings revealed prolonged oral transit times and increased post-swallow aspiration in adults older than 85 when compared to younger adults. In another study, Liu et al. found that tongue strength decreases with age and that individuals with chewing and swallowing difficulties experience an accelerated decline in tongue strength. We know that people with reduced tongue pressure, as measured by the IOP or the tongue-o-meter, may be more likely to require a more conservative oral diet. So maybe older adults compensate by slowing down the pace of eating. And that might explain why grandpa was the last to finish eating at your most recent holiday dinner. So it looks like we have compensatory mechanisms in place especially for folks without dysphagia. And over the age of 85, more monitoring of swallow status might be necessary. Important because the population of 90 plus is on the rise. Thanks for listening to this review. If you're interested in more, come visit us at www.theinformedslp.com. Tell us how you put the research into practice or find us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at The Informed SLP.
Before we jump into the interview, let's take a moment to look at our supporter, Presence Learning and Therapy Essentials, which includes the Presence Learning Therapy platform. It's so much more than your average video conferencing tool. It includes everything you need to securely and effectively deliver speech language therapy assessments remotely, including a content library full of customizable games and activities so you can personalize your therapy sessions to keep your clients engaged. That's one of the problems I ran into all last year was trying to find stuff to keep all of my middle school kids kids uh, engage during group activities. Plus, on Presence Learning Therapy Platform, you have the ability to upload your own therapy content and materials. Presence Learning Platform has everything you need to confidently build your own teletherapy career. Learn more and start your free trial today at PresenceLearning.com, then click on Our Platform at the top of the homepage. Hello, and welcome back to the Speech Science Podcast. This is one of your hosts, Michelle Wintering. And I have the pleasure of sitting down today with Kristen Martinez from Presence Learning. She is the clinical director and an SLP herself. Um, Hi, Kristen. Hi, Michelle. Nice to talk with you again. Yeah. And I will have you intro yourself a little bit more in just a minute. But um, for those listening, if you've been listening for a while, Kristen was here teaching us all about teletherapy back in the episodes aired in November of 2019. We did a three-part mini interview series. So if you want to glance back at those or take a listen, that's episode 96, 97, and 98, which has been a while. So that was two (laughs) years ago on the calendar, and we just recorded, I believe, episode 147. Um, And this will air in a couple months, I believe. But I'm so excited to have Kristen back. When I interviewed her back in 2019, I know I was a bit skeptical still at that time of telehealth and teletherapy and if it could really be um, on par with in-person. And she convinced me of so many resources and um, Presence Learning's platform and other platforms that are available to make that a really valuable resource. And uh, so I look forward to hearing more from her today because now we've all had March 2020 and on where the world moved virtual and presence learning was already kind of leaning the way with teletherapy. So Kristen, if you can introduce yourself to our listeners. You bet, Michelle. Thank you. So yes, a lot's happened since we last spoke. Um, But yeah, in way of just giving everyone a little bit of background who may not be familiar with presence learning. we are, we are a teletherapy company. So long before um, March, 2020, uh, we actually started in 2009. And so we have been as a company providing direct therapy services um, in the K-12 setting. So really specifically school-based um, even as early as early intervention, however, so K-12, but very young ones as well. Um, and we provide speech language services, occupational therapy, school psychology, um, evaluations, direct therapy services. So really the full scope of work um, for related service providers in the schools. And um, as you said, I I am an SLP. I um, am in my 21st year now um, as an SLP, which is hitting me a little bit hard because I was pregnant with my first daughter right at the end of grad school and she's turning 21 in a week. So I'm a little, <laughs> you I'm, can track your career based I, yes, on her age. Yeah. So spinning a little bit about that, that doesn't quite seem possible, but um, so I spent the first, um, you know, decade or more here in my local school district here where I am in Colorado um, and then some private practice. So doing, doing some of both, um, you know, really had a come had a great district, great, great location. Um, but 
really by kind of chance ended up contracting with presence learning way back in 2013. So I was taking a little bit of a break from my district position um, to support some family needs at the time. And um, I did not have any idea what teletherapy was in 2013, didn't know anybody doing teletherapy, uh, but they called and were needing somebody to just do a short, short-term small assignment here in Colorado. So I thought I'd try it. Why not? 10 hours a week, um, see what it was about. And I truly, after a month, uh, maybe not even that long, realized um, I was changing the direction of how I wanted to work as an SLP. So I really loved providing teletherapy services, saw the effectiveness, um, how engaged my students were. Um, and it was just a really great fit for me personally and uh, allowed me to bring a little bit more balance into my life. So um, here we are, however many years later, nine years later, I think, and um, I obviously am still here. So yes, I am. I now have the, um, you know, really the great privilege of acting as clinical director for presence learning. So I get to do a lot of different things um, in support of school districts and SLPs and really a lot of the outreach, spreading the word, um, meeting with other professionals, um, really trying to expand knowledge, awareness, and, and really, you know, ultimately the purpose of teletherapy um, is to increase access and equity for students, for clients. It, it brings, you know, those of us who are certified, qualified, experienced clinicians to people where geographically they may not have access or they may not have um, enough access to the, the, the help they need, the services they need. So it's really been a great opportunity for me to um, see where we are as a country across the United States in school districts um, where, you know, we really, we know there's such a shortage of services um, and to be involved in, you know, addressing that in some way um, has been really exciting. I'm, I'm just amazed because I think of if you started this in 2013, just the changes in technology, which I know we right. touched on a couple of years ago when I interviewed mm -hmm. with you, um, but how teletherapy has grown and how technology has helped that. Um, so what, what are the big changes you've seen um, in the COVID world? Uh, mm. Because obviously that has impacted your job and right. teletherapy. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, big picture, obviously the, the biggest change is that most everyone who was involved in providing therapy services, either in the schools or in private settings, um, became a teletherapist, like it or not, um, you know, for starting in March, 2020 and over since that time. Um, I think some people were really ready and, you know, open and excited to try something new. Others were feeling terribly stressed and feeling like they were, you know, being pushed to do something or didn't have any options and didn't have the resources, didn't have training, didn't have the support. So, um, you know, it was, I think, you know, I was involved with, um, speech therapy PD did a teletherapy boot camp that March. Um, and I was involved in providing some of the training for that. And I think they had 30,000 registrants. It was incredible. Like that's just, that's just incredible. SLPs. Yes, it was. So there was, I think a lot of anxiety <laughs> that was happening at that time. And um, really people just, not only did they suddenly have to maybe get over any concerns they would have about 
does this even work? But then how do I actually do this? What are the steps? How, you know, sort of just all of those logistical pieces. Um, so the fact that everyone for the most part has had some degree of experience with that in the past 18 months has definitely changed the landscape for teletherapy because I think um, it is where we've moved away from, I believe, um, just people saying, well, this can't possibly work at all. Um, and really being kind of oppositional to it. Um, you know, in, in my early days of presence learning, we definitely came across that a lot, um, where there was kind of the, a lot of skepticism and just, um, really pushing and which is fine. You know, that was part of the process of educating and showing people how it works. Um, but you know, now I think everyone has seen at least that, yes, it's possible, um, some people I know had negative experiences. And so it may have pushed them the other way where they're like, nope, I never want to do that again. <laughs> you know, I, a, yes, yeah. I've met some like that, but I feel yes. like most I've met have been, people have said, wow, it's, it's at least better than I thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, right. To right. Yeah. And I think, you know, the frustrating part for me and others in who have been involved with teletherapy for a long time, you know, we really wanted to support all of our colleagues and help them understand how it really can work and the tools and how to make their lives easier instead of it just being this really overwhelming, stressful thing. So, um, you know, but I, I think that we, we are now in a reality. I don't think we're ever going to go back to the way things were where, um, there will never be a teletherapy option for in the schools or in healthcare. I think, I think that piece will just expand and it will become a hybrid. I think there will be just, that will be more the standard where um, either because of, you know, the circumstances for the client, for the student, health reasons, you know, they're doing remote learning, um, all, you know, all kinds of reasons that people prefer to actually receive services remotely, or they just, that's the only way they can receive services. Um, but also for us as therapists, um, I've absolutely spoken with many, many SLPs who, um, now that's what they want to do. They really do. They, even though it was hard at first, they really enjoyed providing services that way. And so that's kind of changed their, their path as well. Now with presence learning being, I know we're going to touch on the new platform Mm -hmm. piece, but being primarily, um, servicing schools and school districts, Mm -hmm. How, are you seeing even with schools back in person is presence learning seeing more schools still contracting with you all to support or do a hybrid method yeah but we yeah we are so even yeah we do have um, districts that even if they were um, fully staffed before covid and had all of the on-site staff they need um i do think that they're they're thinking more creatively they're thinking about well maybe we we have, for the most part, we're staffed up, or maybe we're really close to being fully staffed, but are we using our staff the best way that we could? Um, when, you know, how much of my SLP's time is spent driving between locations um, when maybe they could be in one location and either provide th- teletherapy services from that main office to some of the more remote schools in the district or, you know, maybe they're still working with us to provide that, you know, support for the direct therapy. So, you know, again, I think it's um, special education directors and lead SLPs and all kinds of people at the administrative level are 
they're thinking differently. They are really thinking of teletherapy as, you know, either contracting for direct teletherapy services or using a teletherapy platform um, for their onsite staff. They are starting to blend in um, teletherapy as an ongoing and sustaining model. Okay. And I know um, a big reason why we have you here today is the new platform that Presence Learning has added called Therapy Essentials. So I will mm-hmm. just give you the platform and okay. tell us all about this. Okay, great. So from the beginning, um, when we did start up in 2009, we built our own platform. And so um, obviously as teletherapy service providers, we needed to have something that our therapists were using. So you know, again, at the time there, there was nothing out there. Um, this was even pre-Zoom. So in 2009, so we, our product and engineering team created their own. And so that is the model that we have been building on for over a decade. And it's very specifically built for therapy. Um, so all of the features, all of the tools were created with clinical input because a therapist requested something and said, you know, I really need this feature to better support what I'm doing remotely. Um, You know, always with the idea that we are trying to create, you know, the quality we want it to be on par or even better than in-person services. And so there's, it's just really an incredible platform, but we had only, it was only available to our clinicians, our therapists who are contracting with us. Um, And then enter, enter COVID March, 2020. And clearly there was, significant need for a therapy platform that others could use who um, all of those SLPs, OTs, school psychologists who had been providing in-person services, but now did not have that option because all of our students or most of them were in home at their, in their home setting um, districts were looking for an option. So at that point um, about a year and a half ago, we did pivot and made our platform available um, to school districts. So that was really the first phase. That was the most significant need that we were hearing about is from our schools saying, you know, can we use your platform for our staff? So we developed training um, for that plat- for the platform resources and made that available. Um, and then what we have added this year is also making the platform available to private practitioners and to clinic settings, university settings. So again, it is, um, it's a little bit different model than for the school districts because they tend to have many, many more users. Um, But this therapy essentials for private practitioners, for clinics, um, university settings is subscription-based and um, they can subscribe to it either on a monthly basis or annually. And there is, there are a couple of versions. One that is, includes all of our tools and activities, but without the assessments built in. And then there's the version that includes the assessments uh, because we do partner with all of the major publishers to have a whole suite of, you know, the assessments that we use in person. Um, We have the digital versions and it's built into our platform. So that's the other option. um, If if remote evaluations is something that a practitioner wants to be able to complete. Mm -hmm. So this is something that an individual SLP with a private practice could subscribe to, or say an outpatient clinic absolutely to subscribe to Mm -hmm. for all of, for their team of therapists. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. And um, I think something I'm noticing that sounds unique is that access to your 
um, the online evaluations option because mm-hmm. I know there's other um, simple practice, a few other different you know therapy platforms mm-hmm. for people to do telehealth and teletherapy. Right. Um, what else makes yours unique? So you know, I think the fact that we you know we had already had a had this tool for our therapists, and so there are. It's features it's it has been you know because it was that that's how we were delivering services and so um we were you know in the position then to make it available to others outside but again we you know already had a built-in activity library um that you know gives gives therapists a place to start or they can upload their own activities um everything is fully um, interactive. And so as a, as a therapist, I'm not having to, um, kind of do any hacks to bring in other things, or I'm not having to pass the mouse control to my student. They, it's just all now it's, um, naturally interactive. Um, it's all web-based. There's no software download, but every therapist has their own unique link. So HIPAA FERPA compliance, certainly. And so it's, it's a secure platform to start and, you know, like I said, there are just so many, not, you know, many more than I could go into. Um, nobody wants to listen to me list them all off, but there, there are just features that make it so much easier to do our jobs as, as SLPs remotely. Um, for instance, I have the ability to turn off my students' mouse control. Um, if they're a little distracted and I need them to, to focus in, I can turn that off and turn it back on. Um, I can turn off my students' ability to see them their own video feed. So <laughs> I, I, still, I know that well. That yeah, that's, that's a good one. Yeah, well, it is. It's, you know, and it was interesting because it was actually originally created um, out of a request from our counselors who were doing counseling with students. And some of the kids were bothered by being able to see themselves on video while they were in a counseling session. And so um, our team created a way for the therapist to shut off just the students seeing themselves. They still see me as the therapist. I still see them. They're just not looking at themselves. Um, and it turns out that has other benefits for some behavior management. Again, if you've got some squirrely little second graders who are, you know, think it's funny to make faces in the camera and try to make each other laugh, I can shut that down for a bit until I'm ready to, they're ready to gather, you know, come back and focus. Um, but also um, when I, to give evaluations, you know, if you think about it, when we're, when we're there in person and we're assessing articulation or fluency, um, we don't have a mirror in front of our clients where they might be looking at themselves and feeling self-conscious and that might actually impact their response. So we can turn that off during evaluations that we're doing online as well. Um, so, you know, again, it goes on and on, but, you know, I, I also really want to highlight because to me, this is a significant clinical feature is that any user, even at the base level subscription, um, they have access to the live tech support chat in the therapy room. And so does the client. So they have it on their side too. So it's just a little button and they can live chat our team who is amazing. And they've been, most of them have been with us for years and years are really knowledgeable and patient. Um, We also have Spanish bilingual team members who are on that team. So you know, always with, of course, when we're in the schools, everything is IEP driven therapy minutes. And so we're very focused on making sure we're not losing minutes with students having to cancel sessions. Um, so to have that access, to be able to chat with somebody and not feel like you have to know how to solve every tech issue that comes up, 
um, it's a huge relief for me. And I've been doing this since 2013. So it is, I think it's really important to the integrity of, um, you know, a tool like this. Um, and having then, it all yeah. in one, I'm just thinking all one loud, spot. But mm-hmm. having it all in one place between the activities right. and the evaluations mm-hmm. and that support right? Um, sounds really appealing to me. Yeah. Well, and yeah, it is. That's the idea is as much as possible, kind of this one-stop shop so that you are not having to kind of band-aid and put, bring other things in necessarily. Um, but we, our platform does also allow for site sharing and screen sharing. So I can pull in other web-based resources. So if there is something I love using, if I'm using CoughDrop or BoardMaker or, you know, any of the, we know there's just thousands probably of these great web-based interactive activities, I can pull those in as well. Um, and so it really just expands the, you know, resources that I have available to me as a therapist. And if our listeners would like to read up more or learn more, see what their subscription sorry, (laughs) their (laughs) subscription options are, uh, where can they find that? Yeah, they can just go to presencelearning.com and there are, can see about all our services, but, um, go to therapy essentials. There'll be a link, um, and they can look at pricing, uh, more features and see what, you know, what is included for that subscription. And then on a broader teletherapy question, Mm -hmm. uh, what do you wish that I'll start with families and parents, but families and parents and then therapists knew about teletherapy. Um, so families and students, I, if they have not, either if they have not tried it before or if they have and it was not you know, a very positive experience, um, I think I would just want them to know that it can be a very, uh, you know, a very effective, very positive, um, modality of service delivery and that, you know, at least, and again, I, you know, I can speak to, to my company, what I know. Um, but you know, our, our therapists certainly are, you know, highly experienced, always fully qualified, licensed. And so, you know, teletherapy is not a new form of therapy. It is, learning how to translate what you do in person to this online modality. So, you know, it's not, it's not somebody who was only trained up to pr- provide only teletherapy services. And it's this whole different animal. It's just another way, for instance, how those of us who went through the pendulum swinging of push-in services, pull-out services, it's different ways of delivering services. And you're still working on all of the same goals. Um, you're still have the same um, you know, expectations of the quality of services. So, um, you know, and first, you know, depending on, it's very dependent, I think by student, by, um, you know, individual, the parent, what their situation is, but for some, I think just having the option, um, is really powerful and it is, you know, certainly we've heard from many, many parents and students who prefer, you know, they prefer to do their services online. Um, and not certainly not everybody will feel that way, but it's nice that there's the options. I think it's, it's really great that there, um, for many people, they may, they might have the option or if they don't, if teletherapy is the only option for them, just understanding, um, the high quality of the services that they will receive. That's a great reminder. Um, is there anything else that I missed that you would like our listeners to know either about presence learning or therapy essentials? 
Oh, wow. Well, I would say just with the, you know, with therapy essentials, we are, even though it's a, even though it's a platform, it's our platform that we've been using as a company for over a decade, this piece of it that now is available externally to private practitioners, I would say is really growing in its own way. And so I think that for, you know, people to try it out, take a look, um, you know, let us know if there's something they would like to see included, uh, because we, we realize that it is a different, it's a different market. It's a different, um, group of people who are not providing necessarily school-based services, but they are in private practice or they are in a clinic or a university setting, and there are some varying needs. And so that's something that we're very focused on as well is adding features um, and resources specific to the platform in a, in a separate use, something that is outside of the school setting. Um, and, you know, in addition to just the platform itself, we are continuing to develop resources, help center items, um, different options for clinicians to um, just learn and grow their practice. Okay, that all sounds great. I will, um, I'd like to give the audience, if you don't mind, is there a way that they could contact you if they have any further questions? And then of course, Absolutely. the Presence Learning website. Sure. Yep, of course, the Presence Learning website, but anyone can email me directly if they would like to contact me. It's just kristen.martinez at presencelearning.com. Um, that's Kristen with an I-N at the end. So yeah, I love, I love hearing from um, anyone just who might be, you know, for whatever reason, if they have an idea to share or they're exploring options and they just want to kind of bounce some ideas off of me or find out more about what we can help them with. Um, I'm really always excited to hear from, from uh, those outside the presence learning world as well. Well, and thank you because I feel like I learned so much two years ago from you about teletherapy. Um, so again, if anyone wants to go back, we did a three-part kind of intro to teletherapy in 2019. It's episode 96, 97, and 98, where Kristen um, taught us all about doing an evaluation over teletherapy, what therapy might look like, and what discharge might look like. So if you want to glance back at that, I think it's only grown since then. There's more <laughs> options now um, in the last two years. And of course, check out the therapy essentials option if you are a outpatient private practice or in a school setting who needs a platform um, for speech therapy. So thank you, Kristen. And um, we look forward to maybe having you back on again as teletherapy continues to grow. Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks, Michelle. I appreciate it. Welcome back to Speech Science episode number 150. Big shout out to Michelle and Presence Learning, as well as the big giveaway. So head on over to giveaway.speechsciencepodcast.com. Get your name and email address into there and get a year access to the Presence Learning materials that will be pretty awesome. And as we were talking about apps, Mike, I exposed you to this last week. You're playing Wordle, but I just found out, Rachel, you are not playing Wordle. I don't know what Wordle is. Dude, I got oh. all, my, all my students are on Wordle right now. Okay. Are you using um, it in therapy? Oh, yeah. 100%. I love it. I love it oh, from yeah. problem solving. I love mm -hmm. it to uh, vocabulary acquisition. I'm using it in social skills groups for like teamwork and negotiation. All right, Rachel, do you see the screen? 
I do see the screen. All right. So Wordle is you get six attempts to name a five letter word. And it is just a random five letter word. Uh, it's like Jeopardy without, or I'm sorry, it's like Wheel of Fortune without the money and the big wheel. So Rachel, give us a five letter word. Any five letter word. Dance. Dance. D-A-N-C-E. Wordle tells us the A is in the right spot and none of the other letters are correct. Mm. So is it saying that the the D is not it like it can't be in the puzzle at all or yeah. correct it anything cannot... in anything in gray is not used but the A but, is in the right spot now if it came up yellow it would be in the word but Ooh. not in the right spot Ooh. so we have an A have I you done this that. one yet Mike no I'm doing it right now awesome okay give us a word Mike <laughs> help us uh, out movie. Because I've done this with all my students three times. Today. I'll catch you up to where I'm at so far. So we got an O. Okay, now we have a v, a v is in the right spot. But the O is in there. I've been doing this as a five-minute warm-up with all my speech therapy students, Ooh, and I love it. Fun. Uh, okay, let's do... Also, remember, we are on air, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say radio, but we already right. have a R A D I. I'll, I'll give you guys a. I'll give All you right, guys so a, now a there's hint. an R. Okay, so now we know that the O. I'll catch you guys up to where I'm at. The R is the last letter. Okay, I've already done this like six times today, guys. So mm. I play this puzzle. I play the puzzle as soon as I wake up. And then I'll do it in therapy with the kids. And they love it. So that's what I do with the New York Times minis. Ooh, yeah, that's a good so one too. I do those. They come out like 10 o'clock or 6 p.m. So every night at like 10 p.m., I get a little notification, like your puzzle's ready. Ooh, and nice. I try, my lowest time is 17 seconds. Wow. Well, you are definitely over 17 seconds on this one. I know. I'm stressing. <laughs> Oh, man, I'm trying to figure out what this is. This is driving me nuts. Okay, so we know that the O has to be either under the I or the first letter. Correct. I think so, it's this. I think it's the second to last letter. It can, oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Like, uh, so oh blank A V O R. Yeah, is that correct, Matt? Uh, if you tell me the first letter, I will let you know how correct you are. Oh my God. I have two and, chances. I have two chances left. And again, I use this with a lot of my students to, I even use it with some of my Arctic kids because they love it. I'm like, all right, let's practice some R sounds. That's really cool. Right? Okay. So we know there's an R, we know there's an O. So where are they? Oh my God. As okay. soon as, as, soon as you we, figure out the first letter, you're going to know what the whole thing is. I know. So we have an A in the right place. We have a V in the right place. And then it's something A, V, something R. Well, we already know it's an O. Either the O is in the beginning or the O is at the end. So how many words? This is what I would do with my kids. How many words do you know that start with O, A, V? None. How many words do you know that end in V, O, R? Q. All right. So start going through them. Use what we got. Is it a Q? Is it... Quaver, waver, taver, yaver, pavor, savor. Saver. 
All right, we'll try it. S A V O R is not, not correct. He, he let us on. However, he now got it in green. A V O R. Favor. F. Mm. There it is. Damn, she got it. So I was staring at that forever. But yeah, so I do this. This has oh, been my warm up in therapy. If I have a 30 minute fa- a therapy session, I'll do the first, you know, minute or two is like to get to know each other. Like, how was your week? And then the next six to eight minutes, we do a uh, wordle. And then it's a five or 10 minute instruction. And then a five or 10 minute, uh, you know, yeah. trying of the new, new skill. So the kids, I, the kids love it. The kids are really addicted like to it. Really like that. Yeah. A lot of fun. I think it's from the UK, right? Yeah, it is powerlanguage.co.uk slash Wordle. Cool. So, Rachel, now you got to do it every day. I got our OT, uh, Miss Raina, doing it as well. And now her and I will send each other what, how many times we did it. My wife is doing it. I love it. I love this puzzle thing. It's all in the New York Times. All right. So this part of the show is where we get, it's the Asha spotlight. And after we threw Asha under the bus at the beginning of the show, we like to at least look at something Asha is doing because it's very easy to say what they're not doing. And this week, it is the nominations and elections process. It is a, uh, it opened up January 11th and it's a call for nominations for Asha's board of directors. Cool. So nice. Dude. Uh, the positions that are open for this see whole oh, smoke. Oh, wait, no, that's not who's open. <laughs> but nope. Okay, so please refer to the board of directions election cycle. All right, 22. Here's who's open for elections. Here's who they're accepting nominations for president elect. VP for Academic Affairs and Audiology, VP for Finance, VP for Standards and Ethics and Speech Language Pathology, VP for Planning, Rachel, that sounds like you, Miss Flasha, and a board member at large in Speech Language Pathology, a one-time two-year term. So the link will be below in the show notes uh, for that. So that is our ASHA spotlight. So let us wrap up this baby. Let's put the bow on the package and let's talk about what we are doing this week, not therapy related speaking of burnout let's look at the things that are not burning us out mike rachel i want you to think about what you are doing this week and then i'll ask you about it what i am doing this week that is not therapy related is i am spending as we record this this is mlk weekend and i will be coaching in a tournament all day saturday coaching in a tournament all day Sunday, and then coaching in a tournament all day Monday. And somewhere in between there, my sons and wife and daughter and I are going to be watching the new book of Boba Fett and the Eternals movie. So is this bowling? Yes, it's bowling. I have to drive a lot of bowling, dude. I have a, oh, and the Bengals, I get this. The Bengals Dude, ba- are Bengals. Bengals are an awesome team. Did we the talk Bengals, about this last week? Yeah, we did. The Bengals are yeah. in the playoffs. I'm all about the Bengals. I will be coaching in a bowling tournament during the playoff game. If Ooh. my kids ever listen to this, my bowlers ever listen to this, and they go, "I wonder if Mr. Hot loves us." They're going to win yes. too. I hope my boys win. They're also, win. the Bengals should win too. But Joe Burrow's the man. All right. So, what are you guys doing this week that is not therapy related? Rachel, you go first. Okay, fine. So <laughs> I've needed, I, I've stayed away from TV recently. And now I'm stuck watching Love Island UK season one, oh, which God. is 
literally 35 hours. <laughs> so I'm at 22, episode 22 right now. Um, and it's just like a mindless show, reality show, which I don't usually, usually like, but it's just the way that I'm decompressing right now. And I might take my dog to the dog bar near my house. So it's like, it's a park that you can, he has a a membership. He's my dog child, um, that he's able to go. And I like it because it's, it's a park that's open late and there's always somewhere there. So if I go by myself, I already, I know that someone's, you know, watching the area, making sure I'm safe and everything. And Dougie gets to run around and sniff things. And hi Dougie. He's in the back sleeping. (laughs) So my question is while you're watching love Island, what did you think of Jamie Tart? I, I love Jamie Tart. Are you you a Ted Lasso person? I'm a big Ted Lasso. Okay. Okay. I was hoping you would get that. I told everyone about it. Um, and I've, I have not met anyone that, I mean, I'm not a soccer fan and it's, it's not a show about soccer. It's, it's about the team and it's a, you know, I love it, but I do like Roy much better. Um, Mike, do you have any idea what we're talking about? I know. I, I never. I've not seen Ted Lasso. Okay. I know about it. I don't know the first show you guys are talking about. Well, Love Island. It's like some goofy romance. It's like, a bachelor. Yeah, it's between like Big Brother and The Bachelor. It's or Bachelor in Paradise, I would say. But Jamie Paradise. Tart was this like hot soccer player who was on a fake version of Love Island. And when you were like, "I love Jamie," I was like, "Oh my god, did you just like make something up?" And then you're like. So yeah, no, love Ted Lasso. I highly recommend it, Mike, for just yeah. like a nice, easy. They're like thirty-minute episodes, mm-hmm. very quick, very just happy. A lot of my friends like it. Yeah. Good job. Happy, yeah. happy is a good way to put it. It is very yeah. happy. Is, I like dealing with like tough issues. Mm-hmm. Still, still a happy show. Okay. Mike, what are you doing this week? I, I'm thinking I'm gonna get out there and play some cold weather golf, maybe. Ooh. Thinking about that, it's been a while since golf season's been over, but we got to get back out there, man. Did you see Little Tiger Woods Jr.? I did. That was incre- that was that was impressive stuff. I yeah. I I'm 36. He's way better than How me. old are you guys? 34. 29. Okay, so Mike, you and I are about the same age. Rachel, you're a little bit young. I remember being like 10 years old and watching. Tiger Woods like when he started mm-hmm. and when I was watching his kid the other day I was like oh my god that is I remember that swagger I remember that mm-hmm. swing Ugh. so good he's so good got the chills watch have you seen the side by sides yes yeah crazy it's amazing they have crazy. the same walk the same swing the yep. same like superstitions you know it's it's incredible I come from a golf family so oh okay good yeah so I'm 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 hot and cold on Tiger a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not gonna lie, I'm not I'm not gonna be one of those big guys. You know, I'm not gonna forget everything. You know. I mean, <laughs> this is I know the show's wrapping up. The musical like is Phil. playing, but like the hard part is is like with anybody, how do you compartmentalize things that they have done with how great they were, and then also, at what point do you let them forgive and move on? And that's the hard part. I mean, that that is with anybody in celebrity, that is with anybody you work with. And I think everybody's answer to that is a little bit differently. And I compartmentalize it of, 
when I watch old stuff when I was 15, it reminds me of being 15 and wanting to golf, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like when I became 30 and watched him do all the stupid stuff and drunk drive and do all that, it's like, I don't want anyone to be like that, so. It's like when you're in the car and that, that R. Kelly song comes on. Ugh. What do you do? Turn to Weird Al is what I do. <laughs> Stuck in the drive-thru. Can't keep it on. Can't keep it on. Now, speech, now, knowing, now knowing what we know. SpeechSciencePodcast.com. SpeechSciencePodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us in the Discord. Discord.SpeechSciencePodcast.com. Rachel Dougie back there is uh, taking up the whole couch, Amy. He is living the dream. That is a Talk nine-foot couch. Talk about self-care. You can also... <laughs> Get, we are designing the new Willow shirt that'll be up on merchandise.speechsciencepodcast.com. And of course, the presence learning giveaway over at giveaway.speechsciencepodcast.com. Our opening music was Please Listen Carefully by Jazar, licensed under an attribution and share alike license. The bump music, courtesy of John Deku, it's County Fair Rock. Find all of his music at soundcloud.com slash dirt dog music. The Informed SLP was at the count by Broke for free. And the closing music playing right now, it's The Slow Burn by Kevin McLeod. They're both licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. In the immortal words of Janice Wright, always be a willow. The oak looks strong, but it will break under the slightest bit of pressure. The willow will bend and return to form. And I feel like that is the perfect way to end a show where we talked about burnout we can all be willows and eventually return to form for fellow willows michelle wintering who's not here michael mcleod and rachel Arshambo. i'm matt hot until next week so long everybody great job matt bringing us home i love the ending The sponsor for this episode has been Presence Learning and their Therapy Essentials. Are you thinking that after everything we've been through over the last year that you may want to look at pursuing your teletherapy practice? Well, are you ready to future-proof your career and get it up and running today? Check out Therapy Essentials by Presence Learning. You can get all of their content and materials, access to assessments online. For more information and to start your free trial, go to PresenceLearning.com. That's P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E-L-E-A-R-N-I-N-G.com and click on our platform at the top of the homepage. Speech Science is edited and produced by MWH Production. Please follow Speech Science on Twitter at SpeechSciencePC and like our page on Facebook. And rate and subscribe to our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts.